It's the More Than Medicine Podcast with Dr. Chung. Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of the More Than Medicine Podcast. Today's episode is another seasonal episode. We'll be discussing the topic of hay fever. Hay fever is very common in Melbourne and in fact Melbourne is the allergy capital of the world. So it's a very annoying but actually treatable condition, which we'll go into a bit more detail in today's podcast. But before we go into it, just a quick reminder that all of the information provided within this podcast is purely for educational and entertainment purposes. Please bring any information to your regular doctor or general practitioner to make sure that it's suitable to your own health situation. And a quick reminder of the NMMM model for healthy living that was discussed in the first episode of this series. The acronym stands for N for nutrition, the types of food and drink habits that we have, such as avoiding the junk food aisle when you go shopping at the supermarket. M for movement, daily activity being more helpful and enjoyable than short bursts of activity. Mindset is the second M, and that's the way that you approach situations. And the final M is for motivation, reminding ourselves that it's good to look at long-term motivations rather than short-term ones for improved health outcomes. Now, getting back to today's topic, which is hay fever. I'm sure plenty of my listeners in Melbourne and around the world have had symptoms of hay fever, particularly at springtime. And in Melbourne, it's really bad between the months of October through till New Year's Day. What is hay fever? Well, to put it simply, it's an allergic reaction to certain things within the environment uh, as it interacts with our body. And this can be divided into two forms of hay fever. We have seasonal hay fever, and this is what we're getting at this time of year. It's a reaction of the immune system to grass pollens, uh, different proteins coming from trees and from flowers. And there are other people who experience what we call perennial hay fever. And that's all year round symptoms. This is more related to things in the environment that aren't just due to the seasons. For example, things like dust mites and animal or pet fur. So you're probably familiar with a lot of the symptoms caused by hay fever, but just to go over the most common ones, these can be things like sneezing, a runny or itchy nose, itchy and watery eyes, having a sore throat, and even being quite fatigued as a consequence of your immune system reacting to these things within the environment. And while it's usually more of an inconvenience, hay fever can actually have some more serious complications. Things like sleep disturbance. So when people get congested sinuses, it can affect their ability to breathe through their nose and can even lead to sinus infections. In young children, it can actually increase the risk of ear infections. In fact, hay fever is part of a thing we call the atopic triad, 
which is three conditions that are related to the immune system and allergy and often go hand in hand. Those three are hay fever, eczema, and asthma. And in fact, for people who have hay fever, they are at higher risk of developing asthma. And people who already have asthma, if you treat your hay fever effectively or reduce the symptoms from your hay fever, you will actually also improve your asthma. And this is particularly important for a thing called thunderstorm asthma, which I'll touch on briefly later in the podcast. So, so far we've discussed what is hay fever and what are some of the symptoms of hay fever. So let's move on to what we can do about this annoying and tricky condition. So when I start talking about treatments for anything for my patients, I always like to start off with non-medication related treatments because they're often affordable, easy, and tend to have no side effects. So the first thing to keep in mind is avoidance. That means that you probably want to avoid certain areas if possible, particularly if you are a person who's more prone to hay fever. This could include places like parks, particularly when a lot of flowers or trees are blooming, uh, large grass fields, especially if they've been freshly cut, and basically any areas that have a lot of vegetation uh, that's flowering at the time. And other things that you can do to minimize your exposure to these pollens are things like wearing sunglasses and maybe even using something like Vaseline on the inside of your nostrils to try and catch some of these particles before they get into your sinuses. Now, it's quite useful to know when hay fever can be worse. So uh, for Melbourne in particular, there is actually an app that was developed by the University of Melbourne called the Melbourne Pollen App, and it's free to download and I have no association with it whatsoever, but it's very useful because it'll give you a bit of an idea of how severe you can expect the symptoms to be. And if it is quite bad, then it's probably a good idea to stay indoors that day. Make sure that you shut the windows. And if you do have something like an air purifier, it can be useful to actually turn that on so it can soak up some of the pollen particles that get within uh, through the doors and, and the windows. One more tip that's useful for people who experience perennial hay fever, which is the type that you get all year, is that it can be worth cleaning your house for dust mites and uh, that can involve washing all your sheets and bedding um, in a hot rinse and also vacuuming everything very thoroughly to try and get rid of both the dust mites and as gross as it sounds their droppings which are often the thing that people become allergic to. So let's move on to medications that we can use to treat hay fever. The most common of treatments is the non-sedating oral antihistamine. And we see a lot of advertisements for this uh, on television and uh, online these days. These are tablets that you typically take once a day and can be quite useful to reduce uh, certain symptoms of hay fever. So in particular, they're quite good to help with sneezing and also with the ocular or the eye symptoms. However, they're not as good for the runny nose or the itchy nose. And that's just because of the mechanism of their action and the direct reaction between the pollen and the sinuses. 
people often ask me, is it dangerous to take these medications over the long term? And my answer is no, it's probably quite fine to have them once a day uh, ongoing. And uh, normally people will only require them over sort of the spring season. So in Melbourne, that's between October and about New Year's Day. One thing that sometimes can happen with these medications is that your body can kind of get used to the same medication day in, day out. So it can be worth trying a different type uh, every so often. And sometimes you'll find that you get a better response by swapping between the different brands or types of antihistamines. So apart from the oral antihistamine tablet, the other treatment which is often misunderstood and not used enough is the nasal steroid spray. Now there are a few brands on the market and they're all pretty similar, but this is particularly useful for the nasal symptoms. So the runny nose, the congestion, and even the sneezing. And they can actually also help with the eye symptoms too because the nose is actually quite related to the eyes. The spray is usually one to two sprays once daily, and it's important to know that it takes usually about two to three days for the actual medication to kick in. So be patient and don't give up after you first started using them. The other thing that's important to know is that technique is quite important. Many a time I've seen patients tell me that it doesn't work only to realize that they were spraying it to the wrong spot and not really getting any benefit. So speak to your doctor or your pharmacist for some advice on how to use it appropriately. There is another spray that is on the market that you can buy over the counter and that's a decongestant spray. Now this spray is a bit different to the steroid spray in that it has quite a quick onset. So once you use it, you will get symptomatic relief and be able to breathe through your nose. The problem is that you don't want to use it for any longer than probably three to five days tops. And you definitely don't want to use it daily ongoing. The reason for this is there's a phenomenon called rebound congestion if you use it for too long. So that's when you use it and as soon as it wears off, your nose actually blocks up far more than before you actually used the spray. And then you're kind of chasing your tail because you'll have to keep using the spray to get some form of relief. It can actually be quite dangerous if you use this for too long as it can cause some damage to the lining within your nose. So if you are in this situation, please have a chat with your GP uh, and they should be able to figure out a plan to wean you off these medications. One more useful treatment for the itchy and watery eyes related to hay fever is using some specific eye drops. The most common ones are antihistamine drops and you can find them over the counter at most pharmacies. Uh, the type of eye drops that I most commonly prescribe, at least their generic names, are ketotifen, that's K-E-T-O-T-I-F-E-N, and olopatadine, that's O-L-O-P-A-T-I-D-I-N-E, and you can look them up uh, at your local pharmacy and those drops can be very useful to reduce both the redness as well as the itchy discomfort that's within your eyes. 
Now, if you want to use something that's a little bit more simple, you can actually just use your standard dry eye eye drops, and that'll help just to flush out any of the pollen or allergens that get into your eyes. Now, all these treatments are more related to adults. Um, for kids, depending on their age, you can still use the intranasal steroid sprays safely, uh, just depending on whether they'll be able to tolerate it. And the oral non-sedating antihistamines are also an option and usually come in a drop or syrup formation, which kids don't mind the flavor of at all. The other non-medicated treatment, which is always worth mentioning, is just using good old salt water. So there are different preparations on the market. You can either spray it up your nose or my personal favorite, a sinus rinse which is a very old technique, but basically you imagine putting some warm salt water up one nostril and flushing everything out as it comes out the other side. It sounds a lot worse than it is, and uh, please speak with your pharmacist or have a look online to figure out how to do it safely, but it can be very useful to clear out a lot of the mucus that's there as well as the uh, particles uh, that are causing the hay fever within your nose. Now I'd like to briefly touch on this phenomenon called thunderstorm asthma. This is particularly relevant in Melbourne and in 2016, sadly, there were actually quite a few preventable deaths due to this phenomenon. So thunderstorm asthma is this unique combination of events where there's a thunderstorm which causes these tiny pollen particles to be released from specific trees in Melbourne, but also happens around the world. And these particles are so small that they get inhaled by people and go all the way into their lungs and people will start to get symptoms of asthma. This can be in people who've never had asthma before and they'll experience things like feeling short of breath, uh, finding that they are getting very tight in the chest and uh, at a very severe level can actually have difficulty breathing in general. So. It's important that you're aware if this is at risk, and that's where that Melbourne Pollen app, for example, can be quite helpful. But the media these days will often warn people about it as well. And if it is a day where there's a risk of it, you should definitely stay indoors. And uh, if you are at risk of asthma, you should speak with your doctor to come up with an asthma plan uh, to make sure that you're ready for that season. So what happens if you've tried all of the techniques that I've already described, you've spoken to your GP and you're still experiencing uh, unacceptable symptoms from your hay fever? That's where you'll probably look at getting a referral to a specialist. And the specialists that we often refer to are called allergists or immunologists. And what they will do is they'll Take a bit of a history, get an understanding of what your symptoms and triggers are like and organize some testing. The most common type of testing is called skin prick testing where they will put a small amount of the allergen that we think you're responding to onto your skin and look at how it responds. And depending on what you respond to, then the next level of treatment is something called desensitization. And this is probably beyond the scope of this podcast, but just to give you a real quick understanding that involves exposing your body to very, very small amounts of this allergen 
either through a small injection underneath the skin or something under your tongue and gradually increasing the amount until you don't really respond to it anymore. And something like this can take quite a bit of time, at least a year and sometimes even longer. So please speak with your GP and they'll be able to organize the appropriate referral from there. So hopefully you've found some of the information in this podcast helpful and practical for the next couple of months of hay fever season. As always, if you're not sure about any of the information in this podcast, please bring it to your general practitioner and they'll be able to make sure that it's suitable for your own situation. Thanks again for listening in. And as always, take care and I'll speak to you on the next episode of the More Than Medicine podcast. Bye for now. It's the More Than Medicine podcast with Dr. Chuck.